welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to MBR, or as we like to call it around here, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm oddly passionate about, and I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that I'm hot about. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome in on a Tuesday evening. And I've got to tell you, it might sound like a little bit of a hot take. You'll be saying, Brooks, look at how much money they are making. I am here to tell you, now is not exactly the time, if you surveyed the landscape of college football, to be a premier head coaching candidate. Now, what do you mean by that? How could that be possible, Brooks? They're handing out $3 million contracts a year annually to these jokers. Who wouldn't want to sign up? for one of these jobs. Well, for the first time in a long time, when I survey the landscape of college football, there's really only arguably one college football program that's perennially in that top 10, top 12, top 15 range that's even got a head coach right now that's somewhat on the hot seat, and that's Texas A&M. Think about it. Survey the landscape of college football right now. We're going to run through them here in a little bit. But Texas A&M, with a $77 million buyout uh, with Jimbo Fisher, is going to seriously have to consider whether or not they want to fire him and buy out the remainder of that 10-year contract that they gave him a couple of years ago if it turns into another similar circus to a year ago. Okay, Outside of that, there aren't that many great jobs in college football where the head coach might be on the hot seat or might be on the way out come 2024's season when they're ready to hire new coaches. Think about it. Michigan's super happy right now with uh, Jim Harbaugh and what he's done over the last two years with college football playoff appearances and getting over the Ohio State hump. Ohio State can sit here and act like there's pressure on Ryan Day and, and national media members can act like there's pressure on Ryan Day and all that good stuff. But let's be honest. Ohio State has not fired a head football coach for anything other than recruiting scandals and violations since the 50s there's like four head coaches in that entire program's history in modern college football they're not a program to be siphoning through head football coaches if you win 11 games at ohio state and you get them into the discussion of college football playoff annually and you have fun offenses you are not going to be fired ryan day is not on the hot seat ladies and gentlemen despite how much you like to make fun of him on social media he's a good football coach He was within a field goal kick from going to a college football playoff in which he obviously would have won a national title. Okay, so not necessarily on the hot seat at Ohio State. USC, extremely stable now under Lincoln Riley, right? Texas, guess what? Texas is stuck with Steve Sarkeesian's butt until the Mannings get pissed off with that joker. He ain't going nowhere. That job's sealed up. LSU, Brian Kelly, super happy. Notre Dame seems to have found their guy. Heck, Mac Brown's solid at UNC right now and seems to be holding on to that job for all, you know, whatever. And that's not even a premier college football job. I say all that to tell you right now that outside of maybe Florida, like will Florida get pissed off of Billy Napier enough this year if it's bad enough? Probably. They got really short tippers down there in Gainesville. Okay, so outside of Florida and maybe Miami, we could say the very similar thing down there with Crystal Ball. Didn't look great. Get a couple more of them Middle Tennessee State performances down there, Mario, and Eesh might be on the way out down there as well. So there's like three, maybe four programs that we can really, really stretch it out 
to say like, hey, at the end of the 2023 college football season, these premier jobs might be available. There's not that many of them. And you really got to stretch it to find a couple of them, right? We only have one that we really going into it are like, hey, Jimbo's hot out there in College Station. Outside of that, everyone's kind of on mellow, mediocre temperature seats. So what does that mean for you as a Georgia fan when you're watching this tonight? Well, it's it's exactly why I think we saw Glenn Schumann and Glenn Schumann's agent, not necessarily Glenn Schumann's agent, but or Glenn Schumann, but Glenn Schumann's agent in, in particular, play the leverage play of the NFL. There is no college football job right now on the horizon that it looks like Schumann shaping up to take, right? We all know everyone thinks they know what his dream job is on the college football level as a head football coach. It's his alma mater. It is Alabama. You know this, but how long is that going to take? Is he going to wait out Saban? Does he want to be the guy after Saban? Does he want to wait for the guy after the guy after Saban, right? Does he want to do all of those things while waiting at Georgia? I will tell you this right now. He will not be taking the Arkansas State job when Bush Jones gets fired this year. That's the only other hot seat job in the local Southeast region. He will not be taking the West Virginia job when Evan Neal gets fired. Not it. When the Houston job comes available, Glenn Schumann ain't taking that one, folks. So it is not a head coaching job on the college level that you have to be worried about. I think that's what we found out this week. And guess what? When you Like we're doing right now, when you survey the landscape of college football, the leverage for him is an NFL defensive coordinating job. That's where your fear right now of him potentially leaving and waiting out Alabama, which is the only next head coaching job that you would think it looks like he's trying to take. It very so much so looks like they are shaping him and he is uh, kind of molding his career very similar to Kirby's. Hang up underneath your protege at, at, at a very good school, win a bunch of national titles, run the landscape of college football, and then when the dream job comes available, Go do that. But we're not taking Arkansas State jobs. We're not taking Troy jobs. We're not taking all these jobs that are available right now where all these coaches are, quote, unquote, on the hot seat. Right? I don't even think he would take the Florida job. There's so I mean, maybe. Maybe if the Florida job comes available, he'll go down there and, uh, you know, interview for it. But, again, you're talking about a 100% pay increase for your first and only probably crack at uh, a head coaching opportunity to start your career. Now, the one – that kind of you might need to be afraid of all these jobs that I'm telling that I'm rattling off that guys are actually in the hot seat like Georgia State where Sean Elliott is somewhat in a make or break year down there why wouldn't Georgia State give Del McGee an opportunity to be a head football coach that one makes a whole hell of a lot of sense to me if that happens I would be more afraid of those types of things when you look at the landscape of college football those guys might be leaving off your roster the, 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 the Trey Scotts, the guys that are going to take their opportunity to skip over the coordinating step in their career and go straight to head coaching, just like Sam Pittman did, okay? And I'm not saying that there might be better jobs and opportunities for Dale McGee than Georgia State. I was shocked that Georgia Tech didn't give him an interview. That, that made no sense to me either. Why, why can Sam Pittman go from being an offensive line coach to being a CEO of an organization, but Dale McGee can't or Trey Scott can't? Why can't that happen, right? So those are the coaches that I would be watching out for, you know, leapfrogging. Um, but it very looks, it very much so looks to me like Schumann's leverage now has become NFL coordinator because people are obviously calling about that, starting with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, what else we got here? That's it. Yeah. 
that's that's my opening rant right there for you. Glad to have you guys in uh, to, for tonight's show. We are here on the platform Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday now live, 9 o'clock. Ain't going nowhere. Ain't shaking off of it. We're going to be adamant about it. We're going to show up. We're going to be elite, all right? And we're going we're gonna to do our due diligence this week, this offseason to get better, to sculpt the craft and, and, and become a better outfit for you guys from a content creation standpoint. And I hope you guys are here with us um, throughout the offseason. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button, like, subscribe, rate, review, do all that good stuff. We've got a loaded show for you guys tonight. We are going to talk about Georgia fans, obvious favorite topic of all time, the quarterback discussion. We're going to do a little bit of quarterback talk tonight, as you can see in the title of today's video. Uh, and we will also uh, wrap up our NFL Combine preview. Uh, we're going to talk about what these guys kind of got to do uh, to, you know, enhance their draft stock, right? We're going to go through the offensive players. The we did the defensive players preview yesterday on yesterday's show. If you haven't caught up with that, it's available on all your podcast uh, platforms as well. Just search the Film Guy Network. Uh, what else we got? We are going to talk about how, believe it or not, there is room for improvement after two national titles, consecutive national titles. There is still an ability for you to improve. Uh, as a football program. So we're going to give that to you tonight as well. Glad for you, glad you guys are here tonight. If you enjoy any portion of tonight's show, join us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. We do a lot of great stuff over there. There's a lot of inside intel. It is camp circuit season. It is Elite 11 season. It is 7 on 7 season. It is information acclimation season. Your boy is accumulating all kinds of information and nugs, and we are rattling them off over on patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. So if you're into VIP information about your Georgia Bulldogs, come holler at your boy. I've been acting like I'm going to take a swig of this water for about five minutes now, so I'm going to take a lick. I see you, Robert. Let's get right into it, dude. It's Georgia football. Look, I know where I'm at. I know what sport I cover, and I know what school I cover it at. All right, so... There ain't no shame in the game. There ain't no hiding from it. I know that y'all's biggest uh, cantankerous point in your fan base is the quarterback position. And you know what? Why in the hell would it not be? Y'all love a sport. I cover. I love to cover a sport that revolves around the quarterback position. So when it comes to this debate, be as be as insane as you want to be. I'm not, you know what? I have moved on from being the guy that tries to control your emotions. You are fanatical individuals. So from now on, on this platform, on this channel, on this channel alone, you can be as crazy and as fanatical as you want about the quarterback uh, room and quarterback discussion. So as passionate as you dog fans want to be, I'm good. We're good. I'm I'm more than looking forward to all of this potential quarterback battle stuff. All right, and before it gets kicked off, before there's even a smidgen, I mean, just a hair of like even sample size of play. I know how this works. You have already chosen sides. As you sit here and watch this tonight, you have picked one of the three sides about the three individuals that we are going to discuss tonight on this channel. You already made up your mind. You ain't seen nothing more than 35 passes from one joker, two career attempts from another, and zero from another. But by God, right here, February 28th, on the last day of this month, we are seven months from college football. Six and a half. You done made up your mind. You ain't seen nothing, and you already know who you want to play at this quarterback position. And that's fine. Guess what? You have already picked a side, and based off all the information that I have collected as your chosen insider, 
as you come in here tonight to listen to me talk about your football team, I have made up my mind too, okay? We have collected the information. We have talked to the people that we need to talk to, and the mind is made up as we sit here February 28th, 2023. So let's talk about it. Let's go on knock this out because I know your butthole tight, and I know you're nervous, and I know you love this quarterback discussion, and I know it's Georgia football, so let's get after it, okay? I'm going to go ahead and give you my spin, and I'm going to give you the facts, the way I see them, okay? This is not hot takes. This is not Brooks's opinion. This is Brooks's source of opinion. That's, that's what 99.9% of what we talk about on this platform is. It is my source opinion. It is my takes mixed with what I bounced off of people that I trust inside that building combined. When we go on film, my takes the film. That's it. No, no outside sourced opinion. No, nothing. It's just me and the tape. This NBR stuff, sourced opinion. So let's give you a sourced opinion about the quarterback position. Guys, did you, you, you know for a fact Jalen Carter had to sit behind Julian Rochester and Devontae Wyatt. You watched it for two years. Homeboy did not start. He's going to be a top five draft pick. Did not start. You know, Trayvon Walker sat for two years behind Malik Herring. Malik Herring was undrafted. Granted, he would have been drafted had he not tore his knee up at the Senior Bowl. He was an undrafted football player. He is a, a, a practice squad football player in the NFL right now, today. Trayvon Walker was the number one overall draft pick. He sat behind two years behind Malik Herring. Keely Ringo had to rip the cornerback position from Amir Speed's dead, lifeless hands in 2021. Amir Speed got to start at corner against Clemson. Okay? That's the way it was. Keely Ringo had to rip it from him. All right, so I tell you all that to tell you that there is a history at the University of Georgia that if you wait around for your opportunity, if you are next in line, if you wait it out, if you are the senior, if you have the seniority, you will be given every opportunity to have your job ripped from your hands. All right. Do you remember? I mean, it's it, Carson Beck's already been, and, and I, I tell you to tell you that Carson Beck has waited his turn. It is his turn now to have the job ripped from his hands, and he has already been a byproduct of this kind of uh, culture, methodology, starting systems, whatever you want to call it at the University of Georgia. Carson Beck has already been, if you want to call him a victim of this, he has already been one, right? Do you remember who the backup was in 2021 to JT Daniels entering the Clemson matchup? It was number 15, Carson Beck. Todd Munkin, in his last interview exiting camp, said, my number two quarterback is Carson. He's earned that right. Since I have been here in the spring of 2020, Carson Beck has earned the right to enter this season as the backup. Stetson Bennett, remember, it was the whole storyline of 2021 on their way to the national title, how he was told, you're the third stringer exiting camp. You all remember this. And then as soon as JT Daniels ruled himself out for UAB, what happened? Within two or three days of the practice week, Kirby Smart immediately and his decision makers, offensive coordinator Tom Munkin included, decided that they were going to roll with the experience. Despite the fact that, I mean, realistically, Carson Beck had probably just as many collegiate SEC attempts and at Georgia attempts at that point in his career as Stetson Bennett had at that point in his career. Just like now, there is relatively similar attempts, a little bit more in Carson's favor than anybody else on the roster. Carson's just been there longer. Stetson had just been there longer. So they rolled with the old guy. 32 career starts later, 32 consecutive starts later, here we are. Stetson Bennett is your all-time career or uh, single-season passing leader, and he has started for the last two years. 
Carson Beck has continued to wait his turn. He did not hit the portal. He did not do none of that. He stuck around, waited his turn. It's his turn. He's going to play. I will tell you in a little bit, I think he has a substantial lead over these other two guys. I will tell you in a little bit why it is that I am a Beck believer is what we would call this. Okay, and we can start a little fan club. You guys can hop on the train or you can ride the wave against me. You can fade Brooks. But I'm telling you from what I've seen, from what I've evaluated, from the people that I've talked to that I trust, dude's got the goods, bro. Put it on the put it on the the, the stamped approval. Dude's got the goods, bro. So <clears throat> other people will bring up coordinator changes. I'm gonna tell you right now. I don't think it means a hill of beans. We've told you, we've reported it multiple times on patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. We've told you here on this channel multiple times, there will be no uh, schematical changes. There will be no terminology changes. All that changed on the menu was a different chef in the kitchen, and he is to maintain the ingredients list. All right, he might be able to tweak it a little bit, um, but there is no mass overhaul here. There is no uh, change in terminology. Like I said, that's the main thing that would kind of mess up a quarterback battle uh, or schematic change, right? They're not suddenly going to become some type of, uh, you know, pace and space offense or some type of pick-and-stick offense. They're not suddenly going to become Ohio State. They're not suddenly going to become 2021 Auburn, where uh, you know Mike Bobo's last time calling offensive plays. No, it's going to be a very, very similar package and just altered a little bit. In fact, I think they watch a ton of 2020 UGA tape. We'll talk a little bit about that here in a little bit. But from uh, a coordinator change perspective, when it, with regards to the quarterback room, it's ancillary to the discussion. I do not think it matters a hill of beans. It doesn't change anything with regards to this quote-unquote competition. So is there a competition in Athens? I think Georgia football uh, staffers are hoping so. I think they hope that one of the next two guys that we're going to talk about makes this thing interesting and 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 makes that, you know, makes that, uh, you know what, pucker up just a little bit on 15 and make them compete and make them push and make them get better every day. I hope that is the case, and I think they're hoping that is the case out of these next two guys. So let's talk about them, Vandergriff and Stockton. And I promise you right now, ladies and gentlemen, if I polled you, if I put a poll out right now on YouTube, somehow, some way, I think they have the opportunity to do that nowadays. But if I polled you right now and said, hey, which of these three guys would you want to start for the University of Georgia tomorrow? I guarantee you Carson Beck is not the, the crowd favorite. I don't know what it is about him. I don't know what it is about the other two guys. Maybe it's for the, the fact that he's from Jacksonville. Maybe it's the fact that Carson Beck threw a, a handful of interceptions to start the season uh, his senior year. Maybe it's because he didn't. RG3 called him out for not running somebody down at UAB. I don't know what it is, but there is something about Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton, these next two guys that we're going to talk about, that you've already made up your mind that you are looking forward to those guys and looking past the dude that's waited around for his turn at the University of Georgia. So whatever it is about that thought process, I'm not asking you to – I'm not telling you to change it. I'm not telling you anything. I'm just, say, I'm just saying I've noticed it. There is something going on in your uh, methodology that you are just looking right past the, the dude that's waited it out and loved Georgia enough to, to develop – without leaving, and you're just looking towards the next one. So check yourself on that one before you cast any judgment on this impending quarterback decision that I've already told you Carson Beck has a, a, a pretty nice lead on. All right, so let's talk about Vandergriff first. Um, I think more than anybody on your roster over the last 20 years, this is the definition of a running quarterback. This dude needs to run the football. He needs an offense that is developed around his legs. He needs 10 to maybe 12 design runs every single game. Go back and watch him in high school. That dude, even when he was hurt, was getting goal line touches. 
It's part of his DNA. It's part of his competitiveness. It's part of his uh, skill set. It's part of his traits that make him who he is. So you have to design and develop an offense to get him to run the football. Not only do you have to design an offense for that, guess what? You will never, ever, hardly ever be able to truly identify what it is that Brock Vandergriff can do as a quarterback in your offense in practice. It is an impossible evaluation. You will never truly know who Brock Vandergriff is, is as a quarterback until you take the non-contact off, you blow the whistle dead as soon as he hits the turf. Until then, you don't know. Until you tell everyone, hey, hit him like, like you would hit him in a game and watch him bounce off folks, watch him run through folks, watch him run away from folks, watch him actually play football, you have no idea who Brock Vandergriff is as a football player. I don't believe. I don't believe you can truly evaluate him. So what's it going to take? It's probably going to take some non-contact removal. It's what it's going to take. It's going to take some probably some behind closed doors, give him the ones, put the ones up against him, let the bullets fly, and, and see what happens. Okay, that's the only way you're going to get a true evaluation of Brock Vandergriff. And guess what, folks? We are never going to see that. We are, as as the, the, the public audience or as the media, we will never see that. We will never be privy to that information and what that looks like. That takes us to Gunnar Stockton. Have you ever played the, – the, the, the term gamer gets used a lot. I think it's overused. I think it's cliche, but cliches are cliches for a reason. We don't steer away from cliches on this network. We believe in them. We, I believe sternly in football speak, in coach speak, in uh, cliches. These things work. Over time, they do work. Hardest worker in the room, all that bullshit, that stuff works. I'm telling you right now. So have you ever played with a gamer? Guys that you don't know how they get it done. You don't. They are not the biggest. They are not the fastest. But somehow they just compete their way into eliteness, compete their way into beating your ass. That's who this dude is. I've watched it over, over years of evaluating this dude from now on. I don't understand how Gunnar Stockton does what he does. When you walk up on Gunnar Stockton, you will think he is the most Joe Schmo dude in the world. He is six foot, maybe one, 200, maybe 20 pounds. There is nothing flashy about his game. There is no, nothing. Nothing flashy about him as an individual. But when he puts that helmet on, there's not only a gamer, gamer you know, ness about him, but there's a you about him. There's an F you about his football game. There is an attitude, uh, a, a competitiveness, a spark about his football game and the way he plays it. He does not play the game like a quarterback. He plays it like a football player. Okay? So he very much so, like Vandergriff, is a – Coach, take the jersey off me and let me play, and you can see what happens. And guess what? He did that, and he had the opportunity to do that this offset or this uh, lead up to the national title game. I'm sure you've heard Kirby Smart talk about it. I don't believe Vandergriff had the opportunity because he's the third stringer. Probably some some healthy health concerns right there, trying to make sure your depth is remained on a title uh, on a title pursuit. But when it comes to the true freshman, the guy that just enrolled, yeah, let him take the non contact contact off and compete. But what that also says, it confirms that FU-ness, right? It confirms that attitude that this dude plays the sport with. Um, and that 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 I don't give a damn, that I don't care about not only me, but anything. Like I do not care. There is no consequences to my game. I play this free, and I play this because I love it. That attitude, bro, that's really, really dangerous in a quarterback competition. Someone who doesn't give a shit. Someone who does not care if they make mistakes. Someone who's just standing on the mound throwing fuzz for nine innings 
and just coming at you for nine innings to continue a, a baseball methodology, that type of stuff, like, man, that's different. That's a different mentality into a quarterback, you know, competition that might make things a little more feisty, right? I, I, I do think if there is someone that's going to be like, hey, bro, hey, Beck, you better show up today at practice because 14's out here playing like it's a video game every day, fam. He don't give a shit. He's throwing everything. That dude threw four picks yesterday, but he might throw seven balls today that make his ass look like a first-round fucking football player. Like, that. that's who this dude is, and that's who the, has it been inserted into a quarterback competition that might actually be one, all right? It might actually be one, but I don't think it is, all right? I think the history of the University of Georgia and the history of Kirby Smart tells me that the old guy gets the run. The old guy gets the run until he don't, all right? And I don't see... I don't see Carson Beck not being successful. And we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Glad you guys could be with us tonight. Make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button, man. Spamming the live chat. Um, we, I mean, that's how we cheat the systems, right? That's how we game the system uh, with, the, with the algorithm. If you want the channel to continue to succeed, if you want us to continue to grow, uh, if you want to you know, reward your boy for his fruitful efforts this offseason, do those things for me, right? Like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Head over to the podcast platform, show some support there. And, of course, as always, patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. We appreciate you guys for being here. It is very much so up to something season, okay? Um, I've, I don't plan on leaving the Georgia space anytime soon, uh, maybe ever. So guess what? This is only going to grow, but I need you guys to grow with me, and I need the channel to continue to grow and the platforms that we are associated with, Dogs Daily and Patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. I need them puppies to grow as well um, because, hey, we're hungry. We're trying to be elite, and we want to be elite with you guys. Um, speaking of being elite, I guarantee you the number one question that was asked on the plane ride home from L.A., was how do we improve? Coach, where are our holes? Coaches, where are our holes? Where do you feel like your room can improve? Uh, where do you feel like our organization can improve? And how do we go about doing those things? Right? So me, as a media guy, sitting here in the spring, I mean, we're two weeks, three weeks away from spring practice, right? It's right around the corner, guys. Like, football season is basically here. As soon as spring practice comes, it's going to be a month and a half of football. It's going to be six weeks of football ending in G-Day. And then we're going to have two weeks of review tape and, and review content of G-Day. And then it's going to be SEC media days. And then it's going to be freaking August. And then it's going to be September. And then it's going to be football season. So it's going to be here before you even know it. Um, so let's talk a little bit about these holes and, and how you can kind of address them this spring and how you can handle them by the time the fall comes around. Uh, when it comes to, hey, where were the holes on the roster last year? That's the first thing you have to address. What were your issues a year ago, even as a national championship winner? All right. And where are your new holes? Where are your new questions left by the vacancies of guys leaving for the NFL draft? Right. I think there's 14 guys at the NFL Combine this week um, with Warren, uh, you know, a bunch of other guys included that maybe didn't get quite invites that are seniors. Um, don't know why I was thinking Warren Erickson there. He's he's coming back. Um, but let's talk about it. Where are your holes? How can you improve? Yes, believe it or not, as a two-time defending national title winner, there are ways to improve. Let's start with the holes from last year's roster. I'm not, again, I keep saying this. I'm not breaking any news. I'm not the first person to tell you that you don't have an X receiver. You didn't have an X receiver last year on your roster when A.D. Mitchell was out. A.D. Mitchell is now gone. 
And there's a big question as to who is going to play X receiver. And I'm telling you right now, Dominic Lovick is a, or Lovett is a Z receiver. He is a slot receiver. He is not a true X. And Ra Ra Thomas, even before his incident, was not some plug-and-play guaranteed to walk in and be head and shoulders above the guys you have on the roster competing for the X position. So, Ra Ra Thomas, Marcus Rosimi, Jack Saint, Jackson Meeks. These are uh, these are names. Um, not, not Jackson. I'm thinking uh, Dylan Bell, right? These are names that are going to be competing. Um, Tyler. Tyler um, just signed in 2022. Tyler Williams, there it is. Eventually, these things come to me. I don't have a producer that's in my ear. As soon as the producer saw me starting a blank, by Williams, they're right in my ear. We don't have it. But you at home are probably doing it. Hope you're answering questions for the teacher when they were drawing blanks. But nonetheless, those those are the the, the guys that are going to be still competing at the exposition. Again, Rob Rod Thomas was not some plug and play transfer answer. That's not what that was. This is a, that's a guy that that. Last year in an air raid offense had like, what, 600 yards receiving, 700 yards receiving. This is not some like Jordan Addison addition that USC had a year ago. This isn't somebody that was on the Bolitnikoff watch list. Okay, this is somebody that was coming to Georgia as a solid piece that was going to compete at the exposition. It's still going to compete at the exposition. But again, it's not some plug and play answer at a question that you already had on the roster for a couple of years now. Um, additionally, that wasn't your only hole from a, a year ago. Okay, you were not a perfect football team, despite the fact that you were perfect, 15-0. and 0, Okay, You didn't have an X receiver, and, and once Nolan Smith went down, you didn't have a sack artist. You didn't have a guy that could go get a sack on, on automatic third downs, like automatic passing downs. This guy can pin his ears back and win at a high rate. You didn't have that. Now, you might develop it. Michael Williams might be that guy. Marvin Jones Jr. might be that guy. Uh, Darius Smith might turn into one of those guys, right? There, there are a list of young football players that could develop into this. Chaz Chambliss might turn into that dude, right? He might turn into an eight, nine-sack football player if given the opportunities and given the chances to develop into an elite pass rusher, right? Damon Wilson is brought in to do stuff like this, right? He's, he's brought in to be a sack master. Sam and Pimba's probably not going to be that year one, but he might be that year two, right? So that, those are the only two real holes from last year's roster that you can even really point to and say, yep, that was a, a point of concern for this football team. And that's really it, right? You didn't have a guy to get open on third down, and you didn't have a guy to automatically get home on third down from the edge. Okay, Jalen Carter from the inside, they can double team and take him away a lot of the times. And that's what they did last year. Good football teams took away Jalen and then survived the one-on-ones elsewhere and had time to develop shots. Right. Um, not a lot of teams got got those shots completed because you had one of the best secondaries in the country. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you, you got to figure that out. You got to be able to get a sack artist and you got to be able to find an X receiver on this roster. Um, sack artist being an edge rusher. I don't uh, you're not going to clone Jalen Carter's every year. Bear Alexander is a great football player, but you're not going to. There are very few uh, Aaron Donald's in the league. There are very few. Jalen Carter's in college football. They, they just don't come around every year where they're like, yeah, we, we can we can get off the field on third down automatically even if he has to defeat a double team. You see what I'm saying? Um, those types of deals. So those are your only two really holes from last year. Now, you have new question marks. You have new question marks that were created by vacancies, right? Quarterback, right? 32 career starts, gone. Single season career passing leader. That's what we're talking about, gone. All right, so... I am a Beck believer. I told you that earlier. Why am I a Beck believer? First of all, I think he has tremendous pocket awareness. 
I saw a guy that has clearly worked on remaining within the pocket and practicing like a real quarterback. Because when bullets started flying on Saturdays, he was not bailing pockets. He was not pulling the football down. He was not veering his eyes away from pressure or putting his eyes on the pressure, taking his eyes off the downfield targets. That's not what I saw. I saw a guy that was operating on time and clicking within the offense, operating through his systems, right? I also know that this is a better athlete than most people give him credit for. He looks goofy. Do not get me wrong. But he is like a – I'm not saying he's Daniel Jones, but he is very much so a Daniel Jones looker. He looks like he is goofy. He looks like he's unathletic, okay, until you find out he's really probably like a 4.72 runner, 4.75 runner at six foot four, 225 pounds. How much bigger and faster do you need to be, right? I think Kirby Smart said it best. Someone asked him, do you need an athlete nowadays to play at the quarterback position, and did you learn that from Stetson this year? And he immediately said, I think you have to be about a six on the athletic scale of one to ten, and Stetson's about an eight and a half. Guess who's a six? And guess why he put the floor at six, very distinctly at six? I think anybody in the world would describe Carson Beck as a six on the athletic scale. No more, no less. Right, He is a plus athlete, but he's not a plus-plus athlete at the quarterback position. I'm a Beck believer. I think he's going to play on time. I think he's got a very special and elite arm. Okay, Very, very special and elite arm. Uh, you've got questions and holes at the defensive back position. Right, Chris Smith and Keely Ringo off to the NFL. That obviously impacts you. And I would say a much more dramatic way from Chris Smith's perspective, and here's why. Keely's great. He was a good corner. He's a, he's a top 50 evaluation for me in the NFL draft. Uh, he's going to get paid. He's going to play for a long time at the corner position in the NFL. Um, he's replaceable. He's very much so replaceable at Georgia. He may not be replaceable at Washington like he is at Georgia. He may not be replaceable at USC like he is at Georgia. But Georgia, I feel very confident in Fran Brown and the talent within that room alongside Kamari Laster that they will figure out an SEC high-quality starter on the flip end of number three. They will be fine, all right? And it's not it's not rocket science playing that position. It is rocket science what Chris Smith's done over the last two and a half years at, at, the, at the safety position for Georgia, okay? He did a lot, a lot of correcting. He did a lot of uh, scheme implementation. He did a lot of uh, leadership qualities in that back end that are irreplaceable. They're gone. They, they, they are not on the roster anymore at that position. We can talk about Dan Jackson. Guess what? Dan Jackson is probably not going to be a full participant this spring. So that means David Daniel uh, Sisavon is going to be getting a ton of reps at safety, and Jonel Aguero is going to be getting a ton of reps at safety. Tyke Smith is going to be cross-training at safety. But that's the hole. That's the issue and a concern for a defense that is very much so safety-driven. Now, the bonus in that is you have the two best safety coaches in all of America on your coaching staff, so – you know, to the victor be the spoils, if you will. Um, now, how about that tight end discussion? We've been talking about on this channel all offseason about tight end two, tight end two, tight end two. You got Brock Bowers coming back, best tight end in college football. Um, has a chance to go down as the greatest tight end in college football history with even just three seasons, I believe. I don't know what the career records are for tight ends, but he's got to be close. I mean, he's going to smash receiving records at Georgia. Um, from a receiving standpoint, I'm pretty sure. So he is obviously tight end one and was tight end one this year. Uh, Darnell, as we've told you on this channel, his 
it's not like we're going to talk about here with Kenny where you can replace his production through multiple people. There is nobody on your roster that even can try to replace what it is that Darnell did. Y'all's ability to run truck sweep at the rate you did was a lot to do with the fact that he could pin defensive ends by himself. Uh, your high rate of running counter uh, was in large part because of his ability to down block defensive ends by himself. All right, those types of things are not on your roster anymore. So are you still going to be a 12-personnel football team? I don't know. I don't know. I think you're going to play a lot more 11 than you did last year um, because your roster construction says you should. You're better at receiver than you were last year. You're not as good at tight end. You're not as deep at tight end. So let's run more 11 and less 12, right? That's just common sense in football. You would have made that change no matter who your coordinator was. So what do your formations now look like when you're in 12? Well, they're a whole hell of a hell of a lot less bunched. Whole hell of a lot less bunched is what they will look like. You'll be a little bit more spread, as you should be. Uh, I am very confident in Oscar Delp's talents. I think he's been an elite, elite football player. Um, he's just very, very similar to Brock Bowers. They do similar stuff. They have similar skill sets. Darnell and Brock Bowers were like the Twins movie with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. Okay, The two human beings could not be more diametrically opposed. The skill sets could not have been more diametrically opposed. And the offense that they ran could not have been more implemented and structured for that very fact. The fact that they had two tight ends that were uniquely great at what they did. Darnell, biggest, tallest, strongest blocking tight end and vertical threat. And, oh, my God, ball in his hands after the catch guy that you've seen in college football probably since Leonard Pope. And he's way better because they're using him in an actual modern tight end set. Okay, and then Bowers, who is the best H-back tight end we've ever seen. I think Pitts is classified as something totally different. So there you go. You're going to change and alter a little bit. Uh, the 12 personnel will, will, will look very much so different. We've talked about the OC change and beat that horse to death on this channel. I, if you want more OC content, hell, we've 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 broken down on Patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin from uh, looking at Bobo's on the all twenty Bobo all twenty two stuff. We've broken it down on here on this channel. The day that it, he was hired, I think we gave you an hour and a half worth of content about how this is not that big of a deal, that there's not going to be that much of a change, and how I believe personally you traded ten percent of your passing game for a ten percent bonus in your rushing attack. That's all fine and dandy. In my opinion, you're going to be a good football team no matter what. So the OC change doesn't really bother me. The running back change, however, Kenny McIntosh being gone is a big deal. And it's not a big deal because you're not talented at the running back position. So Kendall Milton, Dejon Edwards, uh, Branson Robinson, uh, they all have my stamp of approval. We'll find out about um, Paul. We'll find out about Paul when he comes back uh, fully from his knee injury. It was very, very fruitful and positive prior to his knee injury a year ago. You're extremely talented at the running back position. I am not denying that. But what I am telling you is that you don't have a Kenny McIntosh on your football team no more. You do not have, and you haven't had, a guy like that since Todd Gurley. We've told you this story, or we've told you this statistic for multiple times now on this channel. Kenny McIntosh is the first and only player since Todd Gurley to have at least 500 yards passing or receiving and at least 500 yards rushing in a single season. The only one, him and Todd, in the history of the program. Herschel didn't do that. It's Gurley and it's McIntosh. You don't have one of those. But can you put together like 800 yards receiving between Edwards, Robinson, and Milton? Maybe. Maybe you can do that. 
can you can you uh obviously you can make up for the rushing yards on the ground i don't think that's a concern um but you do have to make up kenny mcintosh's production and it is going to be hard and you are going to have to find unique ways to do it but like i just told you there's no better coordinator in my mind that was available that can enhance your running game and enhance your quarter or running back play like mike bobo that is that is in my opinion that is what he is known for as a coordinator he is known for his pre-snap motions, and he is known for his run gap fits. That dude gets plus uh, plus fronts more than any coordinator I've studied because he's great at pre-snap motion. He's great at uh, you know film identification and, and, and finding holes in a defense. In other words, he's a really good coordinator. There you go. Um, and it's been a really good show. We motored through four pages of notes. Hope you guys had a great time here with us tonight. We will be back again Thursday on the network uh, with a little bit of half MBR, half Q&A. So feel free to join us over there uh, Thursday night. Don't know what the schedule is for the boys over on Baxter Street, but we'll be back at 9 o'clock here Thursday. Be sure to hit that thumbs up button on your way out. I appreciate you, man. Patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin for all the good stuff. I love you. We'll see you later. Time to take my fat butt to the gym. <laughs>